0: Good afternoon. Welcome, welcome in. How are you guys doing? Good to see you at this app session. Uh, We just wanted to take a moment and say we're so glad that you're here. Uh, This is my wife, Jamie. She's going to introduce us real quick.
1: Our names are Danny and Jamie Schultz, and we are actually church planners out in Spokane, Washington. So we're in the Pacific Northwest. Um, we just crossed the three-year mark so we're three years old as a church and we are thinking back to actually one of the first times always when we come over here to alabama we remember those first moments of even being introduced to the ark and getting to go through the intensive and learn all about church planting and honestly when we came for the very first time there was part of us that wondered with everything that they were teaching us at the ark could that really work in the pacific northwest or was that you know like a south kind of a thing and so We went and planted in Spokane, Washington, and we're here to report that it does work in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) Man, we just took everything that they taught us, and we went and, as Danny always says, we just ran the play. And we went and did everything that they told us to do, and God has just been doing incredible things up there. Um, We've got to just see so many people come to Christ. We got to merge. Just last year, there was another church in town that was um, just going through a difficult time, and so um, they ended up merging with our church, coming under the leadership. We inherited their leadership team, and in the process, I actually got a building that's right in the middle of Spokane, right in the very heart of what's going inside of our city. And so it's been amazing to watch how that has opened up doors for us to really be able to impact our city at greater ways. So,
0: One of the great honors that we've had in moving to Washington is we've got to know one of the pastors of Honestly, one of the greatest churches in the Pacific Northwest, Champion Center, and Pastor Kevin and Sheila, uh, we heard about them right away in in showing up in Spokane, and they have a fantastic conference called Team Church, and uh, we've attended that conference every year since we've been in Washington, and it's just been one of those God moments for us as church planners, and uh, Pastor Kevin's written numerous books he leads a great church and you guys are going to love what he has to pour into us today would you do this for me would you give a hand to pastor kevin
2: gerald as he comes to minister today thank you guys thank you so much thank you so much hello everybody thank you daniel thank you jamie uh it is great to be here today and thank you for the privilege and the honor to the all all the ark uh leaders of being a part. And and you know the good thing about actually doing the three o'clock session, the last one of the day, that you know that everyone who is here really wants to be here. (laughs) That's very, or or, or else you're my, my own team who's obligated to be here. Like it's one or the other, but. Are you glad to be a part of God's church? Are you glad that, uh, we're serving in this generation and not the past generation. There's so many opportunities right now that we have in, uh, in doing what we do. And I, I hope that none of us take it for granted. I hope that none of us uh, ever miss, uh, you know, m- miss the, the mark in terms of our concepts, our ideas, our thoughts, and realizing that we're privileged to do what we do. And it's an honor for us. Uh, to get to do what we do. This is, the best, this is the best thing this side of heaven is to actually invest our lives in the only thing that has eternal value and to know that we're part of plan A, there is no plan B, that Jesus is building His church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, um, God's on our side, and we're going to overcome and we're going to win. And so today, when I, as I get into the, the message of talking about um, seven things that will help your team go from good to great, I want to I wanna just say that I have just celebrated 30 years. Uh, last year, my wife and I celebrated 30 years in ministry, and I am excited about the next 30. I listened to the seven on seven today and I'm like, man, every one of these guys are awesome. Like every one of these uh, people get up. God's God just doing some great things and so I salute all of you who are here who have been in, in ministry for a long time but I also say to all of you who are younger and you are stepping into the ministry, uh, your best days are ahead of you. Um, stay strong and uh, continue to do what God's called you to do and, and do it with, with passion and heart, and you'll never, you'll never regret it. We are privileged to do what we do, amen? amen. Okay, so let's get into this. I wanna, I wanna just uh, talk about what makes a good team great, and seven things, um, if we get to all seven of them. I wanna leave time for some Q&A, so if you have some uh, things that you would like to talk about, or questions that come up, um, make sure you jot that down, and we're gonna have some microphones available, and we'll do a little Q&A, in in a little while. Say with me if you would, my heart's open, my mind's ready, make me better God, today, in Jesus' name, amen. Here we go, good teams become great teams by collaborative leadership. Collaborative leadership, when every member of the team is a leader. So the first thing that Jesus did in ministry was to select a team. Not just a team of followers, but a team of leaders. Every team starts with followers. But hopefully if you're building a team, or you are recruiting people into a team, that you're at least thinking about the concept that that the people who are followers today are meant to be leaders tomorrow. Great teams don't happen when people are just following. Great teams happen when there is collaborative leadership. So a good team will have like top-down model of, of, uh, of leadership, but a great team is when everyone on the team becomes a leader. I realized that when I started pastoring and we got to a certain size in our our church, I, I realized that I could put a hard worker in a position and if I did that, I would get one hard worker. But if I put a leader in a position, I could get 10 hard workers or I could get 20 hard workers, or possibly even 100 hard workers. And so I started being intentional about looking for leaders even in the follower. Do you know what I'm talking about today? Even when a person is is coming in thinking that they're a follower and planning to be a follower, if you approach it like Jesus did, you're starting with 12 disciples who you're gonna train and you're gonna teach and you're gonna download into them, but the goal is that they will change the world. So you're beginning with that concept in mind. And I wanna to say to everyone who's part of a team today, don't allow the fact that you're a follower to stop you from being a leader. Because what happens a lot of times is that we identify ourselves as a follower and we shut off the opportunity that God would give us to actually be a leader. I like to think of it, uh, you know, if you think of a flow chart, top down is, is normal. I like to think of uh, team leadership as more like a, 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 a circles, of, circles of swivel chairs. Not, not, just, not just a swivel chair, but circles of swivel chairs. In other words, if if there's swivel chairs around a team leader, then that swivel chair goes both ways. The swivel chair is facing the leader, but then turns away from the leader. And that word picture can be helpful when you think of following and leading. We are following first and then we are leading we're getting in sync with our leader and their vision and their heart, but then we're turning toward those that we lead and we're taking on leadership. And when the whole team starts thinking like leaders, we create this synergy and we create an ownership about what we're doing that moves our team and our church forward. When you get like that and when a team gets like this and we're collaborative in our leadership, there's no individual wins. There's no individual losses on a team. Every loss is a team loss. Every win is a team win. When you lose ground, you lose it as a team. When you gain ground, you gain it as a team because everybody's getting in the mindset of being a leader. The second thing that will help you transition from being a good team to being a great team is clear communication. So collaborative style leadership is number one. Clear communication is number two. And this is when the team has high levels of clarity. High levels of clarity. I know you believe you understand what you think I said. But I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. (laughs) I heard the story of a guy who was... uh, who was moving his sofa and it got stuck in the doorway and his neighbor came over to help him. And when he came over to help him, they pulled, they pushed, they tugged, went for 15, 20 minutes. And finally the owner of the couch, he said, man, this isn't working. We're never gonna get this sofa in. At which point the neighbor said, "In? I thought we were trying to get it out. That's a lot of what happens day by day on a team, right? We, we think we're on the same page, and we think we're going the same direction, but one of the things that can help us is that the clearer that we get with our communication, we, it begins to clarify our intentions. So what we do, one of the things that, that we do more and more, and we try to do more and more on our team, is that we we try to include everyone that could possibly be impacted by the conversation we're having on the email. Lots of CCs. And what it does, it saves not only confusion from happening, but it also creates a synergy and a conversation, and it saves you from having to talk about it multiple times when you include everyone. That's just a simple little thing, but when you're, when you're beginning to, to work together, your communication becomes vital. Yep, yep. And, and the, the clearer that you can be in your communication as a team, anybody ever found that out to be true? The, the, the better you can move forward together like a team. When everyone has clarity as to what a win is, it makes leadership a lot easier, it makes decisions a lot easier. Is that good? to that help? So the third thing, good teams become great teams when there is constant gratitude. Constant, not just weekend after service gratitude, but a constant gratitude. When the team mentality is that we're blessed with everything and we are entitled to nothing. Sheila and I went to the Northwest to pastor. We're both uh, from the Midwest. We're both we're both uh, second generation. Stand up, babe. Just let everybody see how blessed I am right here. My wife. <laughs> and when we went uh, to the Northwest, we were. We, we we took over a church that was in bankruptcy, it was a small church, and we had less than a hundred people um, that were a part of our church when we began. And and that was the you know that, that was the start of our story. That was the beginning of, of what we were gonna do together uh, in ministry. And at that point, you know, you can you can just hit the ground running. And you can feel like, man, in, in five years, I'm going to be where I really want to be in ministry. But I'll never forget on, my, on, on our 20th year of being in the Northwest, I took out a, my, my, a daily journal one morning. I, only, I don't journal a lot. I only journal when, when I'm depressed. <laughs> that, that, that's the only time I really journal. Like when, <laughs> When I want to write down what I really don't want to say to anybody else, uh, I figure it's better to write it down than it is to talk to my wife too much about it or phone a friend or something like that. So I was writing on this morning and, and, I, and I wrote down, this is simply what I, I wrote down is, is that uh, I thought by now that we would be a lot further than we are now. And I, and I just spilled my heart that day. And you go back sometimes and you read it, and you go, what was I thinking? That was terrible, you know? You, you talk about the horrible team around you and the people that don't know how to do anything right, and I, I wrote down all the, the frustration and the anxiety, and I poured it all out on that paper. But the main thing is that I, I remember thinking to myself you know, that, that, that I, am, I am not nearly what I thought we would be when we started. And my point is that it's so easy to, to, to begin to see all the negative in your ministry and, and to begin to see what you're not versus what you are. And, and it's so easy to see the minuses and not the pluses. And, and, and i found found that, that when I get in that mindset is that one of the things that helps me is to realize that on any given day there's gonna be plenty of things if I focus on it that are going to discourage me. And it's my responsibility to pull myself up out of that and to look at the things that are going to encourage me and to put my attention and put my focus on the right kind of things. The gains, not the losses. The win, the win, not the defeat. The, the, the things that we've overcome, not, not the things that have overcome us. And it's on those days that when you get in that right mind, you guys know what I'm talking about, when you're able to make that shift and get in that right mindset, that you began, to, you began then to feel like you can take on the world again. And you began to think, think like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna do good here, uh, and we're gonna make progress here. But, but the, the, mind, the mind shift from feeling defeated to feeling like I can do this the, the main ingredient is gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Yes. Say it again, gratitude. Yes. We're living in one of the best days ever for God's church. We got multi-services. We got multi-site. We used to think when we built a b- building, it got filled up, it was time to build a new building. That is so <laughs> unreasonable. And Iraq, I'm so glad we can have multi-services now. It, it's a whole lot cheaper, right? Save a whole lot of money. We're, we're being featured today on in magazines and newspapers and we're just in the greatest time uh, ever for, for the church. It's a good day, but it also means that we're more vulnerable in ways that only success can make us vulnerable. A new building can be the best thing or the worst thing that happens to a church. Having a great Easter with a whole lot of people in church can be the best thing (laughs) or the worst thing. Yesterday's excellence is today's mediocrity. So the challenge that we all have is that staying grateful doesn't come natural. Am I helping anybody? I want to encourage you, uh, everyone who's a part of a team and in ministry today, I just want to encourage you that the worst thing that can happen for you as a member of your team is to feel entitled or begin to assume that you deserve something. It's the worst thing that can happen in a growing ministry, whether it's the top person or those who are part of the team. This is how success fails. I said, this is how success fails. When, when we began to feel like we deserve this or we deserve more or we work hard enough so we deserve a building like that building in Birmingham. How come we don't have that? The moment we start thinking as a staff member that I deserve to be recognized more, I deserve to be applauded more, I deserve to be celebrated more. When you hit those kinds of those, those those attitudes, are what undermine the progress of our teams. And so, constant gratitude, constant gratitude, constant gratitude, constantly reminding ourselves that were it not for the grace of God that we would not be where we are. Were it not for God's hand on our life, we wouldn't have the privilege that we have. We wouldn't be in the place that we're in. Constant gratitude, the constant understanding. I was just talking to a pastor before we came in here and he was telling me his story, how that he had been successful in business and. That success gave him a lot of money and that money led to him just being careless with his life and he was, him and his wife were doing drugs and just their life went crazy, their marriage went bad and then he had a radical salvation. I don't know what your story is but I think all of us have to remind ourselves when we're in ministry and we get, we get all fired up about the goals and the vision and accomplishment and achievement, I think we gotta remind ourselves that nothing we have, we have by our own strength. Everything we have, we have it by the grace of God. We, we wouldn't have, go ahead, clap your hands, God's good. And when that leaves a team, and I don't know if you've experienced, maybe you're experiencing it right now on your team, when that, when that component is no longer in a team or a few people start talking and murmuring and You know, what the Bible calls murmuring is an old King James word, but you guys know what I mean. When when we start start just sort of down-talking and my whole thing in my journal, when that becomes verbal, I thought we'd be further along by now. I, I don't know why our church isn't doing better than it's doing. When we get into that mindset, we undermine what God could do through our lives if we keep an attitude of gratitude. And I think it's so important, whatever team that you're a part of today, um, look at the people around you and thank God for them. Look at your leaders and thank God for them. It would be really easy for you to look at the people around you. You know all their faults. You know what they, they don't do right. You know how they mess up. It's so easy to do that, isn't it? But, but great, good teams go to great teams when they are constantly full of gratitude. When they are encouraging one another and talking about the wins that we're getting. One of the things that our team does is every Tuesday morning before we start staff, while we're standing on our feet, we go around the room on Tuesday morning and everybody talks about the win. We just call it celebrate the win, celebrate the win, celebrate the win. And we talk about the last weekend, the visitor that we met, the person that got saved, the the, the person that... We met in the hallway, we'd never met him before and they come to our church and his name is Sam and he owns this, everything we can. And then of course, um, you know, we talk about the service itself and how good the praise team did and the ushers were amazing and, but it all just comes kind of individuals and un- unforced and, and I can go in there guys, I can go in there on Tuesday morning feeling like, you know, it was horrible. Nothing good has happened here in two weeks. And I can get there on a Tuesday morning and just hearing a few staff who are genuinely and authentically expressing gratitude. And it's like I can feel myself on the inside just starting to rise up again and starting to stand up again. Gratitude is powerful. I say gratitude is powerful. And gratitude has the ability whenever it fills our team. You know, and I think Wendy Perez, somebody said it so well um, this morning when they said, husbands and wife, as a husband and wife, we try not to be, um, wanna quit on the same day. You know, and, 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 and so as a team, think about that. Think about that. You're gonna have your day when you're down, and they're gonna have their days when they're down. And make sure when you're not down, especially that you are really expressing the gratitude and the love and the thanksgiving, that's your day to stand up and shout it from the rooftop. We have a great team. We have an amazing team. God's using our church. The gates of hell will not prevail against this church. That's your day to stand up and express your gratitude, amen? So good teams are teams that have gratitude once in a while when it's forced, but great teams are teams that are consistently in an attitude of gratitude. Can you say amen? Okay, I'm getting to some of my favorite points here. Um, The fourth thing, good teams become great teams when there is a consistency of culture. When there's a consistency of culture, so when the team knows and protects and extends the culture from the core to the perimeter of the organization I went to a doctor uh, one day uh, uh, something let me back up a minute we were There was, there was like a a, a, build, a refinance, I think, a few years ago. And so part of that was that we had key man insurance and I had to name a doctor and I hadn't had a doctor for a few years. So someone suggested, hey, go go find a doctor and here's how I did it, I interviewed doctors. I thought that would be fun, you know, to get to actually qualify a doctor instead of just going to the doctor. And so that's what we did. I, I started, you know, interviewing doctors and somebody recommended this one doctor and I went. And, and uh, when I'm leaving the doctor's office, Sheila calls me and, so she, and she says to me when I, when I answer her, I'm on my way to my car and she says, how'd it go? Was it good? And I'm like, you know what, I really liked the doctor but I'll never be back again. And she said, well, that sounds odd. That's kind of funny. What do you mean you're going to be back again? And and I said, well, I met with the doctor. It was after hours. And he was there. Uh, Me and him had a great conversation kind of in his back office. But when I got there, the receptionist wasn't happy that I was there. And... Now that I look back on it, I think it's because she maybe had to stay overtime or something, a little bit late, to have this meeting with, you know, to host me as I came for that meeting with the doctor. I walk in and she her head's down, and when she looks up and sees me, she just kind of hands me a clipboard and says, fill this out. And I ask a couple questions, and she was real short and snappy with her answers. And so I'll never, I'm, I'm not going back. I'm not going to, I don't want to deal with that again. But I thought to myself, how often does that happen in our churches? When people walk in, or they drive in, I should say, onto our campuses, and before they ever get really to the pastor's message, most people have already Decided. I said most people have already decided. You know, statistically, people don't start or stay at the church because of the pastor or because I should say of his messages. People have already decided in the parking lot and made up their mind. In fact, I had a staff member, I I shared this one day, and a staff member said, uh, raised his hand at the end of the staff meeting, and and, and he said, Pastor Kevin, that's what happened to me. He said, I came to this church the first time, and by the time I got to my seat, I'd gone through the parking lot, people greeted me at the front door with high fives and smiles, I went and checked our children in, everybody was so friendly, it was so safe over there in the kids' environment, I felt completely welcomed and hosted and then an usher took me to my seat and I got to our front seat and as the service started, I turned to my wife and I said, we, we're home. We found our home. Yep. And, 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 and what I'm saying to you today is that the tendency is, hear me out on this, the tendency is for the culture of the church and those who said it to assume that it's all done on the platform. And, and, and what I want to encourage you is, is, to, to, to remember is that great culture is not determined just by a great platform. Great culture is determined by what happens beyond the platform. It starts in the parking lot. I said it starts in the parking lot. It starts with the people who are greeting out there. We had a, there was a lady who came to our church. We, in fact, Sheila invited her to church and she was paranoid about coming to church and her idea of church like it, you know, boy, she knew about our church and she's like, it's so big and I'm going to feel really awkward. I don't know anybody there. She pulls in the parking lot. She finds a parking spot and she's so nervous about coming in and feeling alone and she makes a decision that she's going to leave. But as she's getting ready to put it in reverse, the guy in the shuttle van pulls up behind her, basically blocking her in. And and he starts honking and and waving at her. (laughs) And and, and finally, you know, she's not moving, she's frozen, and he gets out and he goes to her window and he says, can I help you? I'll take you over to the building, and so she told Sheila later the story of how she got out of her car and got onto the shuttle, but she gave her heart to the Lord that day. She gave her heart to the Lord that day. One, one, one person in the parking lot who was carrying that culture of, we are so glad you are here. We are, can we help you? Can we assist you? So great churches are churches that have a consistency of culture. It can start on the platform, but it cannot end on the platform. A Couple more things I wanna say about that real quick is that whether you're a team leader or whether you're a pastor, we tend to assume that culture is created by us by us actually just telling people what it is that we want them to do. and And, We underestimate that culture creation will never happen from a podium or the front of a room where a person is actually giving instructions. People will nod their head if they're on your team and people will nod their head if they're in your church family or on your staff. But culture Boy, I hope you hear me right now. If you're gonna be a culture-creating leader, you, have, you, 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 must, you, you must inspect your culture. You cannot expect culture to just happen because you say it should happen. So one of the things that for, for many years, Sheila did this and now other, other team members do it, but we walk around the campus we inspect what we expect. We walk around and we help team members who maybe be a little shy, maybe not sure what to do or say, but we help them. We equip them with the right kind of verbiage, the right kind of direction, so that they can begin, you know, to, to act in the culture and behave in the culture. And when you get a few people behaving in the right way, then other people see that modeled. That's how culture, it's contagious. Once people see it, feel it, now it's able to grow. Am I making sense to you today? So, so the perimeters are extremely important in knowing what, how good your team is doing. Go to the classroom, go, go to the hallways, go to the parking lot, get to the perimeters, And then you'll know whether or not the culture of your church is actually getting down deeper than one level in your church. Can you shout amen? Amen. Okay, number five. Good teams become great teams. When there's congruency with the big picture. When there's congruency with the big picture. So when every team is is highly aware of its role as part of a bigger picture. Every team is highly aware of its part of a bigger picture. So a good worship team can be skilled as singers and musicians, but a great worship team will use those skills and those talents as a part of the service. So not a standalone segment, but part of the bigger picture. That's where you go from good, everybody say from good Good. to great. great. A good tech team is highly skilled and qualified to do sound and lights, but a great tech team understands and embraces its role to serve the service team, the worship team, the pastors, the leaders, in the vision for the service. And what's funny a lot of times is that the people who mean well, for example on a tech team, and we love you guys by the way, you're the best tech team. Thank you for bringing your talent to the house of God. Desperately need it. But what's fun is that as your church is growing and starting to expand in terms of creativity, for us anyway, our experience was that we went from needing some lights to tech teams going crazy and going, you know, you, you can't, you, we would say we need, we need some lights. And it went from, you know, just having no lights to having so many lights that, that it's not a blessing anymore, it's a distraction now right and and now we've got smoke and lights and flash and the tech team is having so much fun we have now set them free right and and, and they are so excited about their their job and you know and, and that's just an example of i think what happens a lot of times when your teams are are not seeing the bigger picture and and, and you can have good teams with good talent but they become great teams whenever they're blending for a greater cause amen so a good student team can do events that are fun and attractive and draw students. But a great student team understands its role to connect young people, I said to connect young people into small groups, disciple them, and get them planted in the house of the Lord. We youth pastors and if you're one in the room today God bless you we love your influence on young people thank you for what you're doing and and you're filling a space I mean the space you fill that, that is attracting young people and bringing young people and they think you're the coolest thing since ice cream and and they are like all up into doing whatever they can to serve you and help you, make sure that now you use that swivel chair and you turn that swivel chair in the right direction back to the house, okay? Make sure when you're leading your young people, you're turning it right back to the vision of the house, to build the church, to grow the church. If you've been around for a while, you know what I'm saying is true, that a, a lot of young people, if they don't, if, if the youth team and the youth pastors are not connecting the young people to the bigger vision, what happens is there's a fall off when, the, when they're 18, 19, 20, 20, they quit going to church because their church was the youth group. Now they no longer fit in the youth group or they got married and it's not what, and they haven't found out how to get planted and established in the bigger picture. Is this okay? So good teams become great teams whenever every team is seeing their role in the bigger in the bigger picture. And it's funny how, you know, we all mean well. nobody does this intentionally. You know, it's not like we create some sort of a gap between the youth ministry and the adult ministry of the church, it just kind of happens, you know? It just sort of comes along. If we're not intentional about building the bridge, then we'll experience this, this bringing young people to the big event, bringing young people to the big service, gathering them into the youth group. It's fun. We play volleyball. We stay up half the night on Friday nights, and we just like crazy, crazy, crazy. We sing our songs, not the big church song, our songs. Shut up. Be careful, we like our logo, no, no, no. Make sure you don't individualize. But make sure you're building one house for different age groups. One house that's specialized, is this okay? You guys all right? All right, number six, good teams become great teams when the team has a growth mindset, a growth mindset. That was a great session this morning on on growth. Um, let, Let me just, let me say this. Carol Dweck is a, she is a professor of psychology at Stanford University and she wrote a book on mindset. And basically what she says, I'll save you from having to read the book here. Basically what she says is that there are two different mindsets. When you boil it all down, two different mindsets, one, is a fixed mindset and the other is a growth mindset. And neither one of them are evil, but in a fixed mindset, people have a tendency and leaders have a tendency to just see themselves as they are and to draw conclusions about themselves and about their team. And guys, this is really, really easy, depending again on your your nature, but it's really easy to justify because it's what you see happening right now. And if when you get talking honest talk and real talk, then the fixed mindset is is established more by you declaring it. Like, well, no, that's us. That's our that's our limits. That's who we are. That's that's, that's like our, tr- that's, that's our problem. That's what we deal with, Pastor Kevin. Like, no, no, no. We really like, we can't get anybody to serve. Like, nobody wants to serve. Like, volunteers, we try. We, we've done everything we know to do, Pastor Kevin, and we just can't get volunteer. Okay. So fixed mindset freezes the frame. But a growth mindset is a mindset that sees themselves and everything that they do as an organization as being on their way somewhere. Okay, so they, they, see, they see growth as something they can cultivate. Like, like, what we are today is what we are today, but it's not who we will be. <laughs> We're, we're, we're like, like, yeah, we, we've had trouble and we've had challenge, and lots of people like, you know, our city is this way, and we, you know our, our, our community is like this, and, this is, and And, yeah, that's what it is, but we're on our way somewhere. And great teams have the ability to just have a growth mindset. We have had a plateau pause at 250 people, and we've been stuck there. Yes, we have. We're on our way. We're going to break through the lid and we're going to break through the ceiling and we're going to grow beyond it. Can you shout amen? Amen. And by the way, when it comes to growth, it is God's grace that grows the church. There's no doubt about it. But one thing that he he needs from me and he needs from you is what I'm calling a growth mindset. So if, if, if you're going to... Be a great team member. I have team members right now that are so irritating because now that I understand what fixed and growth looks like, <laughs> um, I, I see it not just in me, but I see it in other people. And so it's really irritating when I can't get somebody to give up their fixed mindset. In other words, they start fighting for it. They start defending it. They start saying, no, 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 pastor, what I'm trying to tell you is, and I'm like, I know what you're trying to tell me, but what I'm trying to tell you is you need to unhitch your mind from that concept. If we're ever going to grow, if we're ever going to get beyond this, if we're ever going to do better, I need you to get that out of your head and out of your mind and to begin to replace it with what Carol Dweck calls a growth mindset. A mindset that sees us beyond where we are. You remember what God said to Abraham? Man, we all need to keep that. Lift up your eyes and look out beyond where you are. And that's really what a growth mindset's all about. It's about lifting up your eyes from where you are. Yep, this is where you are, but lift up your eyes and look beyond where you are because I'm taking you somewhere better. And I've got something greater in mind for you, amen? All right, one more, one more real quick. Uh, Good teams become great teams when they are creative. So, I had another word with this. I was trying to make them all rhyme. (laughs) Trying to get them all with a C. I thought I had it. Yeah, creative concepts. There it is, creative concepts. So, basically this means, guys, that when the team has a strong creative element, Um, Let me try to explain this real quick and then I want to have maybe 12 minutes of Q&A, ask a few questions if you'd like to. But here's basically what I mean. I am not talking about, when I say creative, the goal is not to be original. The goal is to find the next creative element needed to move your team forward. So hopefully you're here taking notes and from every speaker and every app session, and hopefully you find some things that someone else is doing. It's not about being original. When I say creative, a lot of, a lot of artistic, creative people take pride in what they would call original. And, and basically, you need to forget being original. <laughs> Quit trying to be original, that, that is not the goal. The goal is for us to have progress. And so when we hit you know, ceilings and lids in our ministry, uh, when the team morale is down, whenever you have been stuck on 14 volunteers and you know you need 24, wherever you're at in that, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about being creative. Is getting to the point where you're continually cranking out the verbiage and the conversation and the ideas, oh man, when a, when, when, a, when a good team, you can be a good team and you can be stuck, but f- going from good to great is when you start having conversations that literally take the lid off because you are, you are coming up with the creative solution to the problem. And you're realizing that this is, this is what we do now, and what we do now may be what other churches have done, maybe what the church down the street has done, but you're beginning to apply that creativity in your church because you're taking time to be creative. Our team, Champion Center, we get stuck whenever we just keep rolling along and no one is sitting down and saying, yeah, but, You know, we have actually not experienced any kind of growth in our small groups in the last two sessions. No one, the numbers are the same. When nobody is talking about that, and not just talking about it, but coming up with creative solutions, we stay where we are. And I do appreciate everything that was said earlier today about growth, and I do believe God's grace grows the church. But again, I believe that our part in that is it take time to think, talk, and pray. And I believe God can give us direction. Anybody else believe that? And and can help us to break through some of the lids that we have. So, there you go. Um, Good teams to great teams. I know today that you are on a good team or you probably wouldn't be here, Um, but hopefully all of our good teams are getting better. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen, amen.
0: That's so awesome. Hey, we've got about 11 minutes for Q&A, and so we'll do that just with raising hands, and then some microphones will come around to you as you have questions. I'm going to get us started with a question for you, Pastor Kevin. I know you're ministering in a part of the country where there's a lot of questions being asked about the value of the local church, and one of the things that I so admire about you and your ministry with Champion Center and Team Church Conference is that you've stood your ground in, in, in flexing just that high view of the local church mm-hmm. and there's value in the local church and you're helping shine yep. as a light. How are you um, doing that for your team? How have you learned to do that over the years? And, and uh, just speak to that. I know that's such a key part Thank for you, you I, guys.
2: Are I think probably the biggest thing for us with the value of the local church is getting our theology right. And what I mean by that is that um, I think a lot of people are in a theology that is sabotaging your confidence toward the church of the future. In other words, a theology that is expecting Jesus to come on a rescue mission will sabotage your ability to believe believe great things for, for the future of your church. So our theology is that the best is yet to come. The best days are ahead for the church and that the Bible clearly clearly teaches that, that it's, not, it's not, not about the past of the church, church history, but it's about the future of the church. And so I think getting, getting that and just, and that, that's maybe enough to stimulate some thought um, with some of you, but that, that's how we would do it. We would say, um, this is what the Bible says, and this is why we believe this, and this is why we're moving forward with confidence as a church, because the best really is yet to come. We're going to be bigger, we're going to be stronger, we're going to be greater. We are plan A, and there is no plan B. That's
0: so good. Why don't we start over here, and then if you've got a question, you can just come line up on either one of the microphones.
1: So I inherited a staff, which I now call my team. Um, And so I've had to really do a lot to change a, 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 a really negative culture, and I tend to be really positive but I, sh- I kind of shut down when I see all of this negativity, and I have one particular staff member, who is exceedingly negative, and I have really tried everything over and over and over to get the yep. nose of the plane to go up. Um, what would you recommend, for besides firing her? Um, <laughs> what would you recommend? <laughs> or is that the answer? Okay. I always like to say that we,
2: when it comes to progress, we, we usually know what to do. It's just having the courage to do it. So I think you probably know. Can I ask him over there? No,
1: just kidding. I would
2: love to be an expert right now, but I think you're the expert. I think you really know. Um, You know, you can you can certainly create some markers or something if you want to spread it out a little longer. But typically, (laughs) typically, uh, if you if you're dealing with a person who you know has a fixed mindset, there there's maybe places for them, but certainly not in leadership.
1: Okay, thank you. Do you want to come to Salt Lake City and fire someone for me?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So the difference between church planters and people who kind of inherit a church, like I inherited a church. Um, So with planters, you kind of get to establish culture. But what happens when you inherit a culture? I'm making slow changes, but I don't want to, you know, knock everybody off the boat at the same time. Yeah. So there's two two camps. I'll just tell you both of them. One is move really slow and hope that you can bring more people along with you. The other would be the one that I would tend to embrace and that is move move faster. And and I don't mean so quick that you jerk everybody's head off, but I I think that what tends to happen is that um, when you get into the mode of moving slow on behalf of people, that you'll slow down to a stop. And a lot of the people who are not gonna go with you, you're just delaying that inevitably. So my, my thing would be that you're going you're gonna to do a lot better if you just get to the point of saying, this is the vision of our house. This is the direction that we're going. This is what the future looks like for us. This is the church, and we welcome you to come along. Uh, but, you know, if it's not for you, we also release you and bless you and, and get to a fresh starting point um, where, where you want to go with your church. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, looking to build a team for growth um, and... Presuming that the heart of the person is right, both sides, would you hire for leadership or for skill?
2: I would hire for leadership.
0: And have them learn skill? Absolutely. Okay.
2: No doubt about it. Lead. Uh, they, if a leader can learn skill and can also a leader can also recruit skill. Right. A good leader can do amazing things in terms of building a team that is very skilled. Like, some of our departments are led, for example, we think of children's ministry a lot of times, and we think, I need somebody that's good with children. No, you don't. You need somebody that's good with adults who are good with children.
0: (laughs) That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, so kind of relating a little bit to that, um, you know, early when we were developing our leadership and, uh, you know, the mindset was willingness. You know, whoever's willing, you're a leader. Come on, come on. You know, if you're willing to be here, you show up, you're a leader uh but kind of moving from good to great what happens when um you know as the church grows you get other people who are willing and uh but their you know their expertise or efficiency might be you know better sure how do you balance or transition people who are good willing but you have people that are better that are also willing and h- how do you protect someone that has been faithful in that position but there's clearly a more qualified person that's ready to do the same thing.
2: Yep. Well, I, I think that every, every time there's a transition, I would just say that reassurance will go a long, long way. When you, when you have an honest conversation with somebody who's been in a role and you sit down with them and you, you really express your, your value of them, your appreciation for them, and potentially even another space or place that you feel like you'd like to see them in um, and you'd like to see them work towards, Um, that'll go further a lot of times than we think it will. And and I think what we do is we undermine, because we're so nervous about that conversation, we undermine the confidence that that we could actually put into their heart. If, if If we remain confident in the, those kind of conversations. It's amazing is my point. How, my, how many people actually will respond in a positive way? Because they really want to add value. That's, that's what most people want to do. They want to add value. And if you can show them by way of your conversation, not only that they have added value, but that you see them continuing to add value, um, that conversation will go a lot easier. And I think more people than not, will come along with you, but I would just say to you, uh, you have to have those tough conversations. You have to have them. That really is, if you had, if you pulled every leader aside here in the room who's had success at whatever level, they will tell you that along the way, they had some of the toughest conversation, uh, just like the one you're talking about, uh, to be able to move people forward. Now, I wanna say one more thing about that, because I think if you're on a staff here and you can save your pastor from a tough conversation, please do it. Please do it. In a a medical office, in a medical office, if you watch them, they're really smart, right? The doctor comes in and and looks at the baby or the child and, and talks to them and tells them how much he likes them, brings a little candy, talks to the parents for a minute, He leaves the room and the nurse comes in and gives the shot. There's something to be learned. And please don't accuse your pastor of flaking out on the tough decision. Step in for him because he can then continue to be be a leader that they view with optimism, that cares for them, that loves them, that wants the best for them if a staff member is willing and competent and able to have that conversation on behalf of the pastor, please do it. Please do it.
0: That's it. We, got time for, we got time for just one more question.
2: So when, when searching for, um, I'm a student pastor over kids ministry and um, student ministry. When searching for leaders, what is the number one quality that you see in, that you would see in someone who is not yet in a leadership position that you're like, I want that on my team? What's the number one thing? Probably number one is, is if people are attracted to them, but I wouldn't just do it based on that. So if people are attracted to them and they naturally have some leadership that people are drawn to them, that's probably the first thing that gets my attention. But the, the second thing that really matters in a, in a huge way is do they have any other agenda other than the agenda of building this house? And if they, if they're locked on to it and I feel confident, um, then that's what kind of locks it down. That, that would be the, that they are really fellow laborers together with us. Their heart is in this house. They really want to build. They're not being selfish. They're not trying to, you know, do something different. Um, that's what pushes it over the edge in terms of of my drawing them in as a leader. So God bless you guys. Love spending time with you today. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you so much.
0: Hey, can we thank Pastor Kevin for pouring into us this wisdom? Thank you so much.